Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the table at a dance competition? Exactly what are the judges looking for anyway? This is Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast. Each week, we'll cover a different topic related to the world of competitive dance from the perspective of the judges behind the table. Some people are natural-born competitors. They thrive on the pressure and inner drive to win no matter what the situation. But for some people, a competitive mindset is a quality that must be developed and honed over time. Today on Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast, we explore techniques to begin developing a competitive mindset to drive you through high-pressure situations and ways to come out on top, win or lose. Hey everyone, it's Courtney Ortiz and welcome to this week's episode of Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast. I'm your host and I'm of course here with my co-host, Leslie Mueller. Hey everybody. Hey Courtney. Happy May. Happy May. I can't believe we're in May already. Wow, the season's flying. It's flying by. It's (laughs) almost over. I hope everybody has been having a great competition season. Yeah, I know that I have, and I feel very blessed to have been able to be on judging panels this season. I'm sure that all of our IDA judges have felt the same way because last season got cut short. So we're back. We're in action. So many live competition events are happening. So shout out to all of our IDA judges and all of our IDA affiliated competitions that are supporting IDA and hosting live events. It's been such a pleasure to see so many dancers hitting the stage. And Leslie, I know you've been on the other side of the table as well on your competition season. Yes, Spirit of Dance Awards has me directing this year. And Woo. and it's really, it's really cool to be on the other side to see we know what happens backstage because as judges, we see what's on stage. Right. You know, so being on the other side of the table and interacting with the studio directors and the parents and the kids. Everybody's just been so, so, so happy to be back Oh yeah, this season. I mean, it has been, knock on wood, let's keep this positive gratitude vibe going um, mm-hmm. into next year because everybody's just so glad to be back. Yeah, I think so. And I know that, you know, it might look and feel a little different this year for a lot of us, depending on where we're at in the country. But I think we all just have to remember how lucky we are to be back on stage and for all the dancers to be doing what they love and sharing their passion with the audience and the judges and the competitions. It just is so inspiring for us as judges and educators and teachers and directors and the competition staff. We're just all so happy. So yay to everyone in the competition world making this happen. Woo! And speaking of competitions, I'm sure you've heard us talk about our virtual competition at IDA. I know that a lot of people, like I mentioned, are able to go into the live competitions this season, but there may be dancers still around the world that aren't able to have and don't have access to physical live events. So we wanted to make sure that we had a virtual opportunity still available for all of those dancers out there to participate in. And so many international entries are flooding in. Our May event is still open with registration. So if you have solos or groups from your studio that you would like to enter into our current May virtual competition event. Head over to our website now to learn more at impactdanceadjudicators.com slash virtual competition. Our registration closes on May 10th, so be sure to hurry up and register before it's too late. We are also loving all of our interactions and hanging out with you guys on our podcast community group on Facebook. It's called Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast community. I just love hearing about how everybody's competition weekends have been going. Courtney's been posting kind of like a competition weekend recap every Monday, and we just get pictures and you know, notifications from all over the country. So it's been really cool to see what's going on with everybody. Don't be shy, everyone. If you have questions that you want to ask in the group, I say go for it because we've got IDA judges right here. We've got insight from all kinds of listeners, including other teachers, studio owners, dance parents, dance business owners. We have some like older dancers who are also in the Facebook group that Mm -hmm. are listeners as well. So it's just a really neat place to, to just come together and have some unique conversations that I don't think are happening in some of the other dance groups on Facebook. Right. So we have a nice blend of, of, of variety yeah. of, of types of people that are in our group, you know, like you said, Leslie. So there's so much that can be asked. And then you get a lot of different perspectives from different, you know, people in the different sides of the industry. Right. So yeah, if you're interested in, in joining, if you haven't already, search us on Facebook, Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast community answer a couple questions regarding who you are and how you're affiliated with the dance world, and we will let you in. It's time to hear about our wonderful sponsors that have supported Making the Impact in Season 2, and we absolutely love Dance Costumes by Urzua. I'm sure you've heard us mention this wonderful brand before, and they have exceptional costumes that I'd love for you all to go check out on their website. 
Dance Costumes by Urzua is a female-owned small business located in Queens. What up, Queens, New York? Hey. And they were created with the idea of giving back to the community. A percentage of each purchase of their beautiful custom design costumes goes to helping a young dancer continue their dance training. Let Dance Costumes by Urzua design your dream costume. You can choose from so many different sizing options so you can feel comfortable and confident in your own skin. They offer a variety of sizes, including slim, narrow, medium, curvy, and wide for a perfect fit. Use the code IDA15 at checkout on dancecostumesbyurzua.com to receive 15% off all of their dancewear and custom costumes. Head to their website now to view all of their designs and check them out. We are super excited to welcome a brand new sponsor for our podcast for the rest of the season. They have some adorable dancewear, including a pair of sweatpants that I've just been living in lately. I know you're going to love to add these to your collection. We would love to welcome Work Dancewear to our podcast. They are for the dreamers, the fearless go-getters, and the passionate performers. Offering performance fabrics, flattering cuts, and carefree comfort, Work Dancewear tops and bottoms provide you quality activewear to take you from the studio to the street. Because as a dancer, we always want to look and feel our best. And the right dancewear can change everything. Work Dancewear, activewear for dreams in motion. Visit WorkDancewear.com and enter code WORKDANCE20, that's W-E-R-K, DANCE20 at checkout to save 20% off your entire order today. Yay, thank you so much to both of our sponsors, Dance Costumes by Urzua and Work Dancewear for supporting the pod. All right, listeners, we are talking about the competitive mindset today and what that means. And we have two lovely guests that are both IDA judges and both brand new to the podcast. Joining us today for this discussion, I can't wait for you all to meet them and dive deep into this conversation. And the first judge that I would love to welcome is a judge that I've known, not, and not just as a judge, a friend that I've known for a very, very long time. We have been through so many auditions together. I'm sure we've worked a handful of gigs together. And I don't see her as often because she's on the opposite coast these days, but I see her today virtually on the pod. And I'd love to welcome Miss Rachel Perlman to the podcast. Welcome. Oh my goodness, Courtney and Leslie. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me today. I am so honored and excited to be here on the podcast today. I've just been loving all the episodes and how we are able to inspire and continue to help educate and guide dancers and educators, not just during this difficult time before this too. But I'm so pumped to be here today. Yay. Glad to have you, Rachel. Yeah. You. And Rachel's been on the roster from the very beginning with IDA and always grateful for your support. So Rachel, if you wouldn't mind sharing with the world a little bit about you, where you're from, where you're based, any career credits you'd like to share and anything else about you. Sure. So um, I'm originally from Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I grew up dancing there, going to conventions, doing competitions doing summer intensives, just absolutely knowing in my heart and soul that dance was it for me. So after uh, finishing high school, I studied dance and got my BFA in dance performance and choreography at Elon University in North Carolina. Right after graduation, I was really fortunate to book dancing on a cruise ship. So I worked for Holland America Line and traveled the world, went to all seven continents and danced my way around, which was really great. And uh, after that, I actually, Courtney, I, Courtney and I switched places basically, and <laughs> I replaced Courtney oh in gosh. the international tour of um, the Aluminum Show. I forgot about um, that. Oh my god! I know, girl, right? So long ago. They were like, we need a short, feisty little <laughs> dancer girl. And I was like, um, I think I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, those are big shoes to fill, actually. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so I did that, and that kind of led me back to New York eventually, where I sort of fell in love with and began pursuing more musical theater route. And so dove into training and taking class from absolutely any and every up and coming choreographer and uh, auditioning, like Courtney was saying, my life away. She and Leslie and I in those audition (laughs) rooms for, you know, at five in the morning, just making it happen. And we'll definitely dive into that, I'm sure, later in this topic. (laughs) But, you know, I was really fortunate to uh, some of my favorite credits. I did Andy Blinken Bueller's Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat National and International Tour. 
I did the premiere of Prince of Egypt and Matilda and Cinderella at Tuacon Amphitheater. I'm really excited to be actually heading there to uh, choreograph and associate choreograph and assistant direct their upcoming production of Annie, which is like an absolute thrill because that means that things are happening, people. It is coming back. And uh, I know, right? Live theater, live performances. So we are on the up and up. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and I'm going to keep on being positive about it. But yeah, so those are, you know, I've, I've done a lot of regional theater, some of my other favorites, West Side Story, you know, can't go wrong with that. And Mary Poppins, where I met my fiance, which is, I guess I can circle back. That's kind of how I ended up here, where I am currently in Albuquerque, New Mexico, <laughs> like Courtney was saying, on the opposite side that I normally am on. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been an adventure this year, diving, you know, into some new things and expanding my horizons. And I'm just loving that I can still virtually judge, still virtually connect. It's been, you know, so much fun to do the virtual competitions and see dancers from all over the world. So I think that, yeah, I don't want to go on too much, but I think that that kind of is sort of, sort of me. (laughs) So yay. Perfect. That's all about you. And love hearing all about you, Rachel. We're super happy to have you on the IDA team and joining us for the first time on the pod. So thanks so much. Thank you. All right. And our next guest is another new guest to the podcast and also an IDA judge. I'm really excited to get to know this uh, studio owner and hear her perspective on this discussion as well. So I'd love to welcome Tracy Boone to the podcast. Welcome. Hello, hello. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you so much for letting me come and hang out with y'all and chat a little bit about me. I same like Rachel grew up competitively dancing and did an obscene amount of ballet as a child (laughs) as well. Danced with a little local ballet company. And then got to college and started doing some teacher training, got some certifications. And then I was like, yo, I love this teaching stuff. (laughs) I really hit that hard and started working with um, a lot of local dance schools and then ended up moving back where I'm from and um, did a lot of choreography, got into the judging stuff. And then was like, but I really love this. And so (laughs) opened my own studio and been doing that ever since. And we have been really fortunate specifically during this time to honestly be able to keep going. Um, I know a lot of places have not been able to. I live in the South. I'm from Alabama. And so in the South, it's honestly just a little bit more lax (laughs) (laughs) overall, you know, than, than a lot of places. But because of that, we've been able to kind of keep going and make adjustments that still keep people safe, but honestly give us the opportunity to keep dancing. And we've been able to actually do competitions this year and stuff like that. So I'm just really, honestly, just at a place where it's just like, we're just grateful for whatever we get right now. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and that's, that's really it. But yeah, just a little bit about me. Yeah. <laughs> Super happy to have both of you joining us today on this episode. So let's jump on in. Yay. So I think we've got, we've got some really great perspectives here from, you know, a studio owner who can speak to not only like a competitive mindset in terms of her students, but also the teachers and being studio owner, because um, that comes into play for us as well. Yeah. And then, you know, a working, you know, auditioning, you know, dancer who spent most of her time in New York City and that competitive mindset. So mm-hmm. super excited to have these two different perspectives. And I would love to hear from both of you sort of just your definition of what a competitive mindset is. And then we will go into what it is not in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. A couple of components and some characteristics of a competitive mindset, for sure, is tying success to your not only the outcome, but the effort and the hard work that comes before what you are attempting to achieve has more to do than the winning and the losing. But it's this constant, even if nothing is at stake, something is at stake Mm -hmm. feeling. Love that. I like that. Even if something is not at stake, something is at stake. Ooh, can you elaborate? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if I I think it it has to do with like this, and and this is something that we can also dive into how it is something that's cultivated. And I don't believe that it's something that you're like necessarily born with. I think it's something that is cultivated through persistence and having to prove. And it doesn't always have to be to someone else, but I think it's having this feeling that you have to prove something to yourself Mm. and that you can be ever growing 
ever-changing, ever-evolving, and it has to do with never being satisfied, a little Hamilton, right? Like, (laughs) if you're never satisfied, and, you know, there's a balance there too, but if you are constantly pushing yourself to be that the best version of you as opposed to the best version in the room Mm -hmm. or the best version in the competition or the best version, you know, in the world, whatever it is, as long as you're always working towards the best version of you and you have that at stake, yeah. then that I think is what drives the mindset versus the actual doing of anything and being like, this is my competition mm-hmm. moment right here. Right. But if it's a constant thing for you to have that feeling, that's kind of what nice. I mean. I like that. Yeah. And I'm kind of going to piggyback off of what Rachel said. I like the idea that she kind of implied, which to me, competitive implies that there's an other, right? Mm -hmm. But what she said was like, the other can be yourself. And I think that's really important to kind of like make sure we hone in on, because I think it's really easy, specifically if you're a quote unquote competitive person, to always focus on the other as in another person, another thing or whatever. And it's like, no, I can compete with myself. And that's totally cool too. Because it still forces you to be in a place where you're trying to achieve more or do more or grow or whatever. And so it can kind of be a little bit more broad than just like, I'm trying to beat Susie Q. You know what I mean? (laughs) And then that just serves as your own personal like motivation or your own personal drive, which again, makes it a little bit more broad. And in my personal opinion, also honestly more balanced to not just say I'm trying to compete with another Susie Q, but. I can outdo myself, you know, which I think is good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely, I I really love that we, we started off with that because I really think that like you both mentioned, it's, it's not always about the competition that's next to you, but it's that, you know, that passion, that, that drive to help elevate you as a person. What's what are your goals that you want to achieve? I think sometimes we get so stuck in, into like who our competition is when we're at competitions or just, you know, in other aspects of life that we don't just step back and say, did I make did I make progress for me? Yeah. Did I reach a goal that I've been wanting to achieve with this? And you know, we all I think I think everyone sort of, you know, not everyone, but at a point in time you you get that competitive drive. You you want to succeed. You you feel what that feels like and sometimes it'll drive us and sometimes it'll, you know, hinder us from succeeding quicker or faster or or to where we want to go. But I really love that view of kind of just sometimes taking a step back and just focusing on your goals and yourself. And not not always about what everyone's doing right next to you. I mean, there are times in our dance career that we do have to look at it from that that perspective at times. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really like how we started this discussion off. <laughs> I think it has to do with um, also like having control over what you or hold on. Brr. What you get actually accomplish, yes. Like, yes, I yes. Have, what I'm, if I'm competing against another person, I have no control, like you were saying, over what Suzy Q was going to do or yes. not do. But I can mm-hmm. with myself. Yeah. I know what right. I can achieve, right. you know? So yeah, I like that thread that you were about to slide into there, Rachel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You nailed it. Thank you for finishing this. Teamwork. <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally like that rewind sound you did. That Me was too. great. <laughs> <laughs> we're keeping it in. Yeah, don't, don't cut that. <laughs> So we've determined what a competitive mindset is, and I do think that everybody nailed it with a competitive mindset can be internal and can can very well have nothing to do with anybody else's path. You know, we can definitely internalize it for good a lot of the time. Well, what's the opposite of a competitive mindset? And my thoughts about that, the opposite of a competitive mindset is when you're solely focused on the other. Mm. the other person and mm. besting someone mm-hmm. else and only only putting your focus out. I don't know if that's maybe the opposite of a competitive mindset, but right. maybe that's the kind of competitive competitive mindset we don't want. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Absolutely, because then you end up basing your own personal success upon what others are doing. Mm-hmm. And to me that devalues what you can actually do, that devalues what you actually bring to the table, it devalues your own personal ethic and work that you've put into something. Right. And so to focus solely on the other, to so, to focus solely on the outside, to me, is just personally demeaning. Mm-hmm. Like, why would I do all this stuff and then see Susie Q succeed and then be like, well, I'm done. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's just, just, to me, it doesn't make any sense. It's very, again, imbalanced. So um, I, I vibe with that idea, Leslie. Yeah. I'm with that. I think that's very easy for kids to get into because I remember thinking thinking about myself for a very long time, including in some of my professional career, of not focusing enough on myself. You know, like I think sometimes we we get into like this weird rut of like, 
well, don't be selfish. Don't only think of yourself. Think of your teammates. Think of all these other people. And sometimes I think you can get to the point where it's like it's easier to focus on somebody else because then you don't have to do the personal work, Mm -hmm. which is a whole nother like psychology Mm. podcast we should probably have. (laughs) But I think as kids and as teenagers, you know, like that part of your brain, you know, we kind of automatically jump to like, well, I have to be better than her. Like when you think competition, you think winning or losing. Yeah. Like that's just sort of the definition of competition. So I think that's a super important thing for younger dancers to hear is that you you do have to focus on yourself sometimes and besting yourself and setting your own personal goals and maybe not worry about Susie Q so much. Poor old Susie Q. She just gets gets brought up, man. (laughs) Susie and Sally. I'm with Sally, yeah. (laughs) Well, there's both, you know, (laughs) Susie and Sally. Leslie has Sally. Tracy brought Susie Q today. (laughs) And I like it. (laughs) I think something also to think about in terms of like what what is really like opposite Mm -hmm would be someone that has more of a fixed mindset and is not open to the idea of the constant betterment Mm -hmm. and the constant Mm -hmm. growth and the application of feedback and those kinds of things. There's that side to it. And then there's also the side that's more passive where it's like, oh, this is useless. Mm -hmm. This is pointless, Mm -hmm. you know, or I will never get this or that kind of negative self-talk. And I think that that's where a competitive standpoint can be beneficial in bringing forth like a positive and a future thinking and a forward thinking, Mm -hmm. whereas it can be instead of I'm not good at this, so I'm not going to win. Mm -hmm. It could be I'm not good at this right now yet. So how can I take steps so that I can be that best version of myself? And that's, again, a way of kind of like a a Mm self-competing, a self-winning approach. I'm I'm really glad you said that. And I think that's such an important point that you just made Rachel because we've talked about this a lot on the podcast but like the instant gratification of this generation for dancers where they just kind of expect to be good right away and it's going to take time it's going to take time for you to get good Mm -hmm. you can't get deflated immediately when you get a high gold at competition and compare yourselves in that competitive nature that you may have brought to that event compare yourself and say, I give up. I'm obviously not good at this. No, we need you. We need to think with that exact mindset that Rachel just had and say, you know what, this might have not been my best performance, or maybe it was. And maybe the judges behind the table just didn't love it as much as I, you know, put my heart and soul into it. But my goal for next competition is to get one adjudication score higher. Mm -hmm. And if you put the hard work in, then you might see that that success happen for you. And like that is having the competitive mind in the correct way, in the proper way, instead of just being the opposite where it's like, I don't like this anymore. I'm not good at this. I can't do this. I got a high gold. Why am I working so hard? This isn't worth it. I quit. Because, you know, that I feel like that those dancers that very well could be many listening or have experiences at a point in time where they felt like I want to give up, you know, Again, you have to also have the passion and the drive to want to keep going. And Mm -hmm. if it really is truly something that you don't love to do or you're frustrated with, then like, that's, that's okay. You're allowed to feel that. But, you know, I I think it is important to set those personal goals for yourself and you are going to get better. And that's the way to, you know, continue that positive competitiveness within you. Yeah, I like how you you said positive competitiveness, because I think people hear competition and it kind of like has a negative, the word has a negative connotation to it, which I don't think is crazy. Right. (laughs) If we're in, you know what I'm saying? Like you, a positive competition, whether you're talking about self or other, it doesn't really matter. But it's like the idea of what you guys are just saying, I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep doing no matter, no matter what result I may or may not get. If I love this, I'll keep going. But sometimes I may not love it. And that's okay. There will be like rough patches. Mm -hmm. There will be emotional, like going through, there will be this, there will be that that's fine. But at the end of the day, the competitive mindset, I would say from the positive perspective that you just said um, to me is what keeps the propulsion going. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, despite how I feel, because we don't always feel the best, yeah, you right. know, and, but that's okay. Yeah. It's not crazy. It's fine. Yeah. Have a day. Cry, baby. That's okay. Cry. Yeah. Yeah. And then keep going. We'd be more concerned if you, you didn't. Know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Something that kind of came to mind while you were mentioning, Leslie, and this is a little bit like kind of off topic as far as like speaking for the kids dance competitions and things, but just like as 
professionals and using the competitive mindset. Mm-hmm. Something that that you mentioned earlier about using it in auditions. I think that, you know, it for dancers listening, all of us have had to audition in our professional careers at a point in time, whether it's for a professional gig, whether it's to get into college, whether it's to do a certification. It, there's so many different layers of auditioning. And in a way, it's kind of a competitive nature because you're looking around to see who else is there. Mm-hmm. And whoever showed up is your competition that day. Yeah. You know, if if fierce dancers showed up, you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get this <laughs> or, you know, or if, if you're like, wow, I'm I'm I feel really confident. I feel like I'm one of the best ones. Yeah. So you got dealt a good hand that day. You know, the audition experience is definitely a com- has a competitive nature to it as well. But I will mention that in once for a professional, you know, you're going to bring that competitive mindset into the world as you as you continue on after you graduate into whatever career path you go, even in real life. But once you get the job, then the the competition is kind of over. You yeah, got, the, you job. got the job. You know you're what I mean? You're not competing like, anymore. Yeah, you're, yeah. you are not you're competing. Creating. Yes, exactly. Like that's when the teamwork element comes into play mm-hmm. with competition dance because we kind of touched on it a little bit and I feel like we've been kind of focusing on like the individual so far Mm -hmm. in this discussion whereas there's also the aspect of a competitive nature for my team and me Mm -hmm. and some people might have a different you know way to approach how they work with their team and like their view on the competitive nature of it but I was relating back to as a professional once you get the job, you're not competing anymore. Now we're just a big old family. We got the gig. Like mm-hmm. we got, we're getting paid now. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I feel like that there's, it's kind of a time in, comp- in competition dance where we don't ever feel that like right. <sighs> release of yeah. I'm not, com- I'm That's not true. competing right now because you're always kind of competing in competitive dance. Like unless you're at a, a performance or a recital because there's mm-hmm. no, you know, there's, there's no, we're not fighting for anything. We're not up against anyone else. Right. Even within your studio, you know, when someone is setting choreography, you're competing against the people in who's going to get the in the dance with you or whatever. Right. Like who's going to get the solo? <laughs> who's going to be in right. the front? And, you know, so I think there's that edge too, that it kind of, you're right. It never, it never has that like settled feeling. Yeah. In yeah. a studio setting, like unless yeah. you're not being, unless you're in more of like a recreational type setting. But I mean, that still st- applies, you know, I feel like that that's such a good point. It still applies. Yeah. And maybe as we mature, we we start to not care less, but, you know, just brush off those types of things a little bit more because that example, Rachel, can apply in professional world as well. Like, well, who's going to get the feature? <gasps> well, who's going to who's going to get front and center for this section? Who's mm-hmm. the choreographer going to pick, even though I already have the job and right. I'm getting paid the same? I think that for me personally, I started not wanting to be that person that would right. get big. Like, no, thank you. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to do that corner. extra thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do the side leap in the partnering section. Just keep me back here. I'll hang out. I'm getting paid the same as everyone else. Like, <laughs> I, re- I remember Courtney in my first job on uh, Real Caribbean. Oh, God. There was, you're, you're going to remember this story. We had, there were a few features in Boogie Wonderland. Oh. It was, you know, super fun, 70s show, awesome. There's four girl dancers. And we had to audition for a few features and we all auditioned for everything. And I got stuck with what I still to this day think <laughs> was the lamest, lamest <laughs> part. It was to Dancing Queen from ABBA. And I wa- I like I got to skip like I had the longest break ever. Like there was no <laughs> such thing as a break in cruise ship land. Like you just change clothes no. and you get back on stage. But I think I probably <laughs> yeah. had at least a song and a half or something. So I changed. I walk on stage. Yeah, I stand on this stupid thing <laughs> and like move my hands back and forth, do a bat ma and walk off stage. And I was like, I remember being so upset because I wanted Brick House. You wanted, wanted that to be feature. the Brick House girl. Yeah. But, but poor Amber <laughs> never got a break. Amber, like, changed her costume and came back on stage and, like, never had a break. And so, like, looking back on it, like, you're totally right. Sometimes the competitive mindset, you know, throws you off and gives you no break. So, like, if yeah. you can just, like, back off a little, you get to be the dancing queen and, like, breathe for a minute. There's a perk to it, you know? You look back now. You didn't see it then. Right. You look back totally now didn't. and you're like, Okay, well, I didn't like I got to breathe for a little minute and take a water break and right. didn't have to quick change. That's a bonus. And I didn't have to do the triple yeah. pirouette into the split on the floor right. every night. I didn't so, have to kill my body for a feature that gained me nothing besides just my like self-esteem and like exactly. in the moment. And a nicer costume. Yeah. And I think that's very hard for kids to yes. grasp. Yes. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And like I said, maturity Absolutely. will come. Like as you get older, you'll start to realize that it's like, eh, 
okay, cool. She got the feature, whatever. Like, right. I'm going to go do me. Yeah, but like, <laughs> Literally. As for kids, it's just a hit to the heart. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I I didn't get it. Why didn't I get it? Oh my gosh. And it's, it's I, we just want to say, it, you know, don't make it so deep. You know, and we love the competitive nature of it. it you, you, you have that internally. But, you know, I think that we're fighting for the future. And sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. That's okay. I love that example, Rachel. I'm really glad mm-hmm. you brought that up. Yeah. Yay, reminiscing. You know, right? I just watched that video the other day. That's why it stuck out in my head. I don't know if you're going to put this in here, but I I remember another example where Courtney was like, I'm not doing, I'm not doing an aerial anymore. <laughs> what, at audition we were, or something? I think it was a Newsies audition. It was a Newsies audition. They were like, if you tumble, like tumble now. And Courtney was like, girl, I am not mm-hmm. pulling out my aerial. <laughs> she was like, they're not paying me enough for this. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I swear, I feel like I walked into the industry very different. Like mm-hmm. when I was young and fresh and 18 and like my body didn't hurt, I walked into the industry like willing and able to do whatever yeah. it took to get a job. You know, we're super eager. We we have these tricks up our sleeve. And then you start to do them in, in jobs and you kind of feel a little taken advantage of. And, you know, and I'm sure maybe dancers can relate to this in the competitive world. You know, you're I specifically remember Troy on the mm-hmm. tricks versus technique talking about how he always did the handstand walkover people in the group competition. Yep. And that was his go-to trick. And his teachers always made him do that. Essentially, your teacher's taking advantage of your trick because you can do it. You know, mm-hmm. once you get to the professional world, people are like, who can tumble? And then people raise their hand. And then you're stuck tumbling eight times a week. Right. And your body's getting mm-hmm. hurt. On a questionable floor. Yes. Questionable. <laughs> yeah. Are you getting PT? Like you start to realize that the feature is not really that worth it. Right. <laughs> if it's, it's going to hurt you or if it's going to, you know, hinder mm-hmm. what's next for you because you might have gotten injured. Whatever the case. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, that, that is an example, Rachel. I've definitely said I've said it. <laughs> I've said it. it just came no more aerials. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Hey, dance moms and dance teachers. I know you probably have your dancer's dance costume squared away and rhinestoned for this current dance season, but it's never too late to start planning ahead for next year. That's why I would love to recommend our sponsor, Dance Costumes by Urzua. They offer custom or semi-custom costume designs for solos through groups that can ship nationwide. Dance Costumes by Urzua will help you stand out with a costume that is unique to you. Reach out to Dance Costumes by Urzua now to receive a quote. And be sure to mention our podcast promo, IDA15, to receive 15% off your custom costume order. View their designs and learn more now at dancecostumesbyurzua.com. So I guess speaking to like studio skills, so we've been talking a lot about like what is probably and having remembered this about myself and probably some of us from being a teenager and from being a kid and feeling like that, feeling like competition means the other and not me. Mm. How can in the studio as as teachers and as educators, how can we help uh, young dancers develop that competitive mindset in the sense of competing with themselves? Mm. I mean, that is that is something that you do learn over time through experience but i don't i think that if it is addressed it will happen quicker you know i think a lot of us maybe didn't get that kind of advice or guidance early on so like maybe at some point in your 20s when you were also in therapy that you know that point <laughs> yeah. comes up of like no maybe Honestly. it's really just you that you need to be competing against and that's like a yeah. mind blowing thing right. at 25 yeah. yeah so how can we start that early mm. something that i do that i've done in the past with my dancers is so let me back up. And my thought is that if you're on the competition team, it's just like implied it's ingrained. You know, you're learning choreography to go to a dance competition and compete to see what's going to happen. Yeah. We already know <laughs> that. So you don't have to really talk about the fact that we're competing Correct. to me. Yeah. But something that I think to speak to what you just said, Leslie, is something that I'll do is I get like a sheet of paper and I'll put like the month that we're in to say it's August and then I'll put November on another line and then February. And literally I have them write down starting in August, like something that you want to accomplish mm-hmm. right Love now. That. Okay. And then maybe it's the pirouette. Maybe it, if you're a soloist, you want to, you know, make sure this one particular section is together or 
get this one skill that we've put in it that you're working on that you know Miss Tracy will take out if you don't get it quick mm-hmm. enough. Okay. <laughs> By January. Miss Tracy's gonna take it out. Okay. <laughs> but maybe it's that, but whatever. So I have them like write down something that they want to accomplish. And then we just check in. We got this thing in August, then we're gonna come back in November. Yeah. And then we're gonna check in. Do we accomplish this goal? Do we need to hold on to this goal? Do we need to add something else? And then we come back in February and do the same thing. So to me, what it does is instills that idea that I am competing with myself now. And to me, because competition provides you with a reference point, right? Right. And so the reference point now is me. Am I, did I get this double turn? Did I get this trick? Did I get this skill? And then it puts the onus back on being self-aware at the same time. It's already implied. I'm competing against other people. We've already got that. That's done. But now because I've got this intentional thought on putting effort towards me, what I'm doing, I think it kind of can feed into what you were um, asking about there, Leslie, like. It's, it's a self-awareness that, cause I think some people are naturally more competitive than others. Yeah. I'm actually a person that's not, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not competitive at all, actually. <laughs> so sometimes I actually can struggle relating to people when they, well, I remember actually my, one of my first dance competitions that I, as a teacher, as a choreographer and one of my dancers to me, she did great. And then we got back to the studio and one of the other teachers was like, Oh, Susie Q is so mad. And I was like, Wow. Like what happened? She was fantastic. She performed beautifully. And then like, I'm thinking of all the things we've been working mm-hmm. on. Like she made this section happen. All these things. She was like, well, she didn't beat Billy Bob. And I'm like, Billy's going <laughs> you know, not Billy. So we've got Susie, we got Sally, we've got Billy. But, and I was just like, well, that's just really sad because she actually accomplished something. There was things that she actually did and did very well. And she couldn't even see that. Mm-hmm. And so after those types of experiences that happened a couple of times, I was like, you know what? We've got to actually go back and talk about the self now because we're putting so much focus on the outside that all of a sudden you end up feeling bad about yourself when you shouldn't be. Walk away from the competition. It's okay to be disappointed. That's totally fine. You didn't be Billy Bob. I'm sorry. But you know what you did do Mm -hmm. was this. And you can offer that more balanced perspective, I'd say. And so that's why I like doing that because- Again, the reference point is there, but then also you have self-responsibility, self-awareness, and I think that that helps. Yeah. I love the check-in idea individually. I know that there's some studios that do like, you know, the the banana split club. And if the whole class gets a split, you know, by X time, you know, then we get a banana split party. But I think holding individuals accountable is better for the individual, you know, because everybody has something different that they want to work towards and need to work towards. So I love that idea. I think something that you kind of just touched on that I loved too was the not discounting yourself wins Mm -hmm. because like you were saying, no, you didn't like get the highest trophy, but you did make these leaps and bounds, you know, literally or figuratively. And I think it's important to acknowledge that, which kind of leads me to the importance of creating affirmations and for everything that you think you need to work on and improve on, that there should be something that you're also giving yourself a pat on the back for. Because if you balance it out a little bit more, then it's not just a never ending like dig at yourself. Yeah. And I think that when we're young and we are in training and we are getting corrections all the time because we do need to constantly like improve things, it gets a little shadowed in terms of those positive things that we remember about ourselves. So either like focusing on ways to create those self-affirmations, that positive thinking in balance with, okay, this is what I need to keep working on and keep growing on. I know these are my strengths though, and and finding that balance too. I want to touch on on something that is very similar to what you both were saying and specifically Tracy with the different goals for, you know, the dancer themselves and having that as driving you in that competition way, you know, reaching those goals throughout the season. While you were saying that, I was thinking about flipping it around to like the teachers and the studio owners as well. Because I feel like as teachers and studio owners, we, I'm not a a studio owner, but you know, as a teacher, if I choreograph something or if I work with dancers every week, you know, you go to competition and let's be real, every studio thinks that their dancers are the best. You know, you, these are my dancers. I've created them. I've seen their progress. They've worked so hard. Wow, they've, they've improved so much. I'm so proud of them. But then they don't get the score that they expected to get or they don't get the adjudication or they don't get the placement. And teachers and studio owners are just as competitive against one another as the kids are in the studio or for themselves or whatever it is. So I think that sometimes as judges, 
we get put into a, a sticky spot because mm-hmm. the, the teachers are always going to think, well, my dancers were better than that. So why didn't I get, you know, first place? And why did I get second place? And sometimes we have to step back and say, was this their best performance? And if it was, then you have to step back and say, okay, well, you know what? Maybe it was just the judges. That was the judges' perspective for this one. But I think that they've grown so much since right. the last competition. And I'm so proud of them. And second place is awesome. Because again, going back to kind of like auditioning and competition, you never know who's going to show up. Just like I said before, it might be fierce. It might be fierce competition at this event. And then your next competition, you might be the fierce competition (laughs) at Mm -hmm. at the event. You just never know. And it's really, it really depends on who shows up that day. Just because you got second at this event and you got first at the last doesn't mean that you're, you're going downhill with your progress or your training or achievements, that's still really awesome. So congrats to you. But also, as a studio, we need to compare from one comp to the next. Have we made progress? Do my dancers look better? It's not about the score all the time. Because again, let's be real, every competition has a a crazy scoring rubric. They're all different. They're never the same. The adjudications never match. So we can't right. we can't use that as mm-hmm. a comparison. I I don't think it ever works. Yeah. To be completely honest, never with you. <laughs> agreed. No, I, that is actually something that again coming from someone who's not very competitive <laughs> as a little caveat. But I've never understood why people kind of struggle with yeah. that because to me it's just very obvious that no competition is the same. It's not the same panel of judges. It's not the same standard. It's not the same mindset. It's not the same expectations. And so I, I honestly struggle understanding sometimes why people can struggle, go from one place to another and not see how just it's just way too many variables, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Way too many variables to to expect a certain thing every time. Because unless like the whole competition industry was exactly the same with their scoring rubrics and their adjudication levels, then I don't feel like you can compare because everybody kind of yeah. uses a lot of the same terms like platinum, high gold, diamond, whatever, but that can equal different scoring brackets for each competition. Right. So when so mm-hmm. when you know parents are in the audience or in the live stream this season watching the award ceremony and you hear your dancer got a high gold, that might be the equivalent to a platinum elsewhere and then you might be right. confused because they it feels like they totally got you know, a lesser award. Right. Yeah. And that's not really the case. Totally. Like even the number system is different as far as where the brackets live. So like don't compare the numbers that you get from one comp to the next. I just I, it would kind of be cool if someone created a competition that didn't have like scores and adjudications and just maybe rankings and only the the whole world doesn't have Ooh. to like hear everyone's <laughs> adjudication because right. it's confusing anyway. But like the dancers can see where they fell, you right. know, on their score sheet or whatever. Yeah. But we don't need to announce it. Maybe we just have like overalls. I feel like that could be something to come in the world, maybe. <laughs> her brain goes wandering Pe- creating <laughs> things probably again hate that, but right. i think awards are confusing they are they are confusing they're they completely are. confusing and and all discouraging that, sometimes all that really all that you really need to be listening to sorry competitions is the adjudication critique yeah. like that is that yeah, is where critique. you're yeah. getting the usable hopefully information you know <laughs> and at the same time you know yes we try to look at your whole dance as a whole but so if we had, you know, this dance happened one week and your judge said, you know, make sure your releve is higher on that pirouette. You don't know who I was looking at. I'm hoping to be looking at the whole group, but maybe my eyes were on the first three people. And then next weekend, you get the same correction, even though more people were in a higher releve. Like, it's just too much to, to it's even, hard, yeah. it's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess my main point is don't let a score determine your worth and your value and your success in yeah. your growth of growth as a dancer because the score is really not that important at all it's the progress that you've made from one event to the next from one day to the next from one week to the next that's what's most important and people acknowledging it too you know right. the re- kind of your example Leslie like the reassurance on a critique in a perfect world and that's what I, I'm immediately thinking of Diva Dance Competition because they do live feedback mm-hmm. at their events. So it's kind of really awesome for the judges to be able to give a correction to the dancers at the top of the day. And then the dancers come back out. And maybe I said, make sure your back leg is lengthened in your soda shaw. Dancers come out, back legs lengthened in their soda shaw for their second dance. And then me as a judge, I'm just the happiest thing ever. Right. And I acknowledge them and say, yeah. thank you so much for taking that correction. 
backwards. That's a, an achievement right there. Like that's mm-hmm. a that's a progress and a step in the right direction. I think that's what we need to look at in the competition world at, instead of who won. Oh my god, did I win? That studio won. I can't believe it. I mean, yes, there's that competitive nature, and we want to win. We all want to win, but we want to look at the little the little wins within yeah. ourselves and within our team and the studios as well. Yeah, and I was I'm thinking about sort of the your progress report sort of Tracy idea mm. of of checking in every couple months and thinking about myself when I uh, had ankle surgery a couple years ago and I would go to PT and I was you know coming from a boot to crutches to a walking boot to you know a brace like kind of that progression of getting better and I would videotape myself pointing mm. and flexing to like see where my range of motion was and I think that's a really useful tool for individuals and maybe for studios if you did want to go a step further with that check-in system totally. of being able to compete against yourself, okay, if we're working on, you know, consistency of my spot in pirouette, mm. videotape yourself, you know, day one, you could do it every single day if you wanted to. And then like, because some people really like that data. I'm not really one of those people, but like, it's it would be really cool to see your progression totally. of whatever the thing is that you're personally working on. So I, I think, love that. Yeah, some people may might really, really benefit from that. And especially for the kids and even for adults, who maybe have a hard time trusting themselves that they're actually making progress because progress Mm. is incremental. You know, like we've been saying for the past several episodes, everybody wants instant gratification. You want the microwave dinner of dance, you know, steps. And, (laughs) And it's hard to see incremental progress. It's just hard. And even though you know it's happening, so to capture it all the way through and then to look at it from day one to day 30, that may be an option for some people. And then really what we're talking about here, honestly, is like managing our mental space. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as a teacher and a studio owner, I'm managing the mental space <laughs> of, of these young right. children. And I think something that, which we've kind of been dancing around, but the idea of rejection mm, yes. is what we're kind of talking yes. about, too, and have a, having to be able to manage that. So just because you didn't get the scholarship at convention or just because you didn't get the double platinum or just because you didn't get the overall doesn't mean like the judges like hated you. That's right, like, right. Had kids, they must have hated our dance before. And it's like, no, no, no. that's not that. That literally is not real. <laughs> you know, that's not a thing. But I've never even thought to myself, I hated that. Right. Like, never. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Yeah. And that's so, so I, crazy. Yeah. And you have to like, and, but I'm like telling these kids, I'm like, baby, they didn't hate you. That's a really strong. We, right. got, we went a long way. Let's pull right. back. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's really far. But um, really, I think that's kind of a skill Mm -hmm. that we're trying to like teach kids too, like how to manage rejection and rejection isn't saying you're bad. Rejection is maybe no. And that's okay. No is fine. Uh, Maybe it's not now. That's totally fine too. But you don't at the end of the day want to, like we were saying before, discount the little steps you've Mm -hmm. made, the progress you made, because if you go to the next convention, maybe you will get the scholarship or maybe you'll get a call out or maybe you will get the platinum or maybe a judge will notice something. So I think that that we're it's important to kind of like talk about that from that perspective as well because rejection is just hard. It just yeah. is for everybody as, as a yeah. human, you know. Yeah, and and it never is. It's never cool. It's never right. fun. You know what and I mean? And we're not trying um, to make it that because it, it's not that exactly. Yeah. It's not that. It's just okay. This is life. This is real. I'm going to manage, but the goal is kind of like what Rachel said earlier. I still have to move yeah. forward. And I still have to move forward positively. So how am I going to make this work for myself as opposed to quitting? Right. And using it as fuel for your fire instead of putting out your fire. You know, if you think of rejection as a bucket of water on your fire, then that's what it's going to be. It's going to halt you. It's going to keep you where you're at. It's going to keep you stagnant, not growing, not getting better, not eventually bettering yourself so that you do achieve that goal, that you are getting those higher scores or the convention scholarship or the job. You know, and I think that using it in that way, changing your mindset about it and saying, okay, it wasn't this time. What was it that I could change? What is it that I can continue to work on so that it does happen? Maybe not next time, maybe the time after that, but eventually. And I think, again, that forward thinking and how you can use it as a tool and not just kind of a knife. Right. Yeah. And then at that point, you're operating in a place of peace, no matter what, as opposed to like you said, like a knife, which to me just sounds like stress and anxiety, you know, that's not where you want to be on a consistent basis. No, it's unsustainable. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. I I really loved your examples, Rachel. I think those are spot on. And, you know, we don't we don't realize how much this competition world that we all love so much 
is really prepping us for adulthood and the real world. Regardless, if you are going to be a dancer, a professional dancer, let's be real. I mean, I think that the competition world is, is really giving you a taste of what it could be like if you decide to become a professional. And if you can't handle the rejection in c- competition, mm-hmm. get ready for a lot more in the real world. <laughs> daily, yeah. daily rejection. Because right. it's just you. It's not even <laughs> right. a team. Yeah. It is you exactly. out there. Yeah. You're the one putting you out there. And sometimes, you know, that's it. So you have to, like, you're, you know, especially if you're used to competing with a team and imagine the disappointment that you have when you're in a team, but when it's exactly. you and it's on <laughs> that. You know, you're absolutely right, Courtney. Like it is if you can't handle that. Right. Because I have seen I've witnessed a handful of times dancers who are maybe, let's say, the star of the studio. Right. They get a lot of features. They get a lot of, of bonus. You know, they're always in the front. They get a turn section. They get a this. They get a that. You can tell that they're one of the stars of the studio. So maybe a lot of things get handed to them. Maybe a lot of things come naturally to them. Whatever the case may be at this particular studio with this particular dancer. And they don't know anything but success, right? Then they obviously think, okay, well, I've been, obviously I'm good at this. I'm so, I'm so successful at my studio. I win at competitions. I'm going to make a career out of this. And they think that it's going to be that easy when they get to the real world. And it is absolutely not. It is the complete opposite. And those dancers cannot handle the rejection. They aren't prepped for it. They didn't understand or ever learn that because things were handed to them. And more often than not, those dancers give it six months max a year and they have moved on to a new career. They're back to school. They can't handle it. They're back at home. I mean, not saying that that's bad, but I'm just saying that we as teachers and educators and studio owners want to make sure that the competition experience is preparing the dancers for what's to come. And regardless if they're going to a professional career, they need to have even more thicker skin if they're going in that direction. Because I always say this, I'm a professional auditioner, not a professional dancer. <laughs> I, I say that mm, all the time. Like I, I audition more than I actually get paid to dance. And right. that's just yeah. the reality of the industry. But rejection is a whole big, huge part of that process. And if you can't handle it, then you you really can't be a professional dancer. You just can't. You have to have thick skin. And Comp World will prep you for that if you have the support system and the studio that understands, you know, that as well. I think that's the the kind of the key of it all, making sure that that you're at a place that people are actually giving you a balanced Mm -hmm. perspective. Because, you know, obviously, no matter where you go, there's always going to be people that are more talented than not. And I'm quick to put the talented one in the back. Mm-hmm. Quick to mm-hmm. do it. Because you're not, I mean, sure, you've got a soul. That's fantastic. Wonderful. You're going to do great. I love that. But again, sometimes we just, again, to me, it's all about the balance. Because we're, we're to me, the whole experience is to create a human that knows how to function yes. in the planet as a yes. citizen. And so I need you to know all sides. Mm-hmm. And all sides includes not always, like you were saying, being the front, being the star, being the feature. Sometimes you may be in the back. Right. And, and that's then okay. I look at you first. It's just as legit. Because I look at the back row first as a judge. So mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> right. But I, I hear so many judges saying that I'm always looking at the back row. Yeah, because <laughs> everybody matters. You it's know, everybody thing. counts. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things too, you know, for everybody to keep in mind is that like, just because you're the feature... I sometimes don't even watch you. Nope. I know you're good. You're, you got put yeah. in the front for a reason. So yeah. I'm going to look at the girl in the back because she deserves to have somebody look at her too. You know? Yeah. And like, are, yeah. You, are you pulling it off back there, y'all? Because right. we're watching. <laughs> like, I want to make yeah. sure that those falafel changes are just as strong as the people in the front. We have to work as a team in that. In that. And that's where, yeah. the, again, like the competitiveness can come is making sure that we as a team can all stay together and make this happen. You know, we don't want to outshine another dancer. Sometimes we have to make sure that we're all dancing collectively as a whole when we're doing group routines and stuff like that. But just making sure that we're all at the same level and taking one for the team all together saying, you know what, I've been awful my timing for that flat ball change section every time we've been in rehearsal, but I'm going to drill it at home until I get that timing perfect. So by the time I hit the stage, I'm here for my team and we can make this happen. Yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work. Oh, it does. 
Yeah. Oh, so many things. So I know, especially having, you know, been a professional auditioner yes. <laughs> and not only that, but I, I realized, I think at a young age when I was in conventions, which was truly always my favorite part of a competition weekend was the conventions and getting to learn from different choreographers. And it really took that time to also learn from the dancers yeah. around me. And instead of, you know, when it came to like the scholarship auditions, who was getting pulled up on stage? Who was winning the scholarships? And instead of thinking in the way, well, they're better than me and I'm not as good. And instead of thinking about it that way, it was what are they doing that I can borrow and apply to myself? Mm -hmm. And I think instead of letting comparison be the thief of joy, letting it be something that's gifting you extra, right? It's like giving you like bonus stars when you get to use comparison in a positive, and I always can keep saying positive, but truly like if you switch it and you use it as a tool and a resource to help you get better, to help you achieve those goals of whatever it is, if it's getting the scholarship next time, or if it's getting the job, what did that person do? I mean, right. there's been zillions of times and I'm sure like, you know, Courtney and Leslie, having been in the auditions rooms with me, I've been so inspired by some dancers yep. too. And it is like, what, what is it yeah. about them? that I'm drawn to, or that's getting them right. the job. And instead of being like, I don't have that, how can I get mm -hmm. that? And I think that that's just a, a different way to use it. I know nowadays, it's a little different. We can't like sit in the audience and watch because of, you know, scheduling and the times that we are in. But when I encourage that when we are back, because we will be eventually, to people getting to like mix up and like view different studios and watch other dancers, that is such a valuable tool mm -hmm. to Agreed. use. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad you brought that up because, and I really love the example of when, you know, certain dancers may be pulled out and in a convention setting or whatever it may be. Like, I feel like as a convention teacher, I've, I've done that. I've been mm -hmm. that. And I, I don't always like to do it because I, sometimes I honestly forget because class goes by so fast. But other times I, I feel like that I don't want to, take up time to feature certain people right. just because I feel like it really needs to be like a learning moment and not just for like the videographer or whatever it is, you know, because I feel like that sometimes is another issue. <laughs> <laughs> but there have been times where I will pull out dancers. And then my question to everyone else, I'm like, all right, we're gonna I'm gonna dance with these dancers, or I want I want all of us to watch these dancers. What is it about them? What what was the reason why why I pulled them out? Was it because they had awesome timing? Was it because their musicality was on point? Do they have fantastic style? Were they using their eye contact? Each dancer could have a different thing that they brought to the table that that I is the reason that I plucked them out of, of a group of hundreds of dancers. And that's the hard thing, you know, that does put that competitive drive. And in a class setting, you sometimes want to be able to turn off that competition aspect to it. We're, you know, always being watched and I just want to take class for class. Like I know I felt that as a professional taking class. Yeah. And sometimes when we go to Broadway Dance Center, it feels like a competition. Like right. who's going to go to the front? Is the choreographer watching me? Oh my God, if they watch me and they pull me out, then maybe they'll remember me at that next audition. Yeah. And then maybe they'll hire me for a job. I mean, like that's the competitive brain that we're like, is right. so ingrained into us where sometimes we just like don't even have <laughs> yeah. a chance to turn it off at times. So like yeah. that's why sometimes when I do teach in convention settings, I just want dancers to dance for themselves and not feel like that this is an audition 24 seven because there are moments for that yeah. in the weekend. But there and when it can be a learning experience, like you said, Rachel, I think that we as dancers do need to watch and grow from from it and see, oh, I danced just like that dancer. Why did they get pulled out and not me? Or whoa, I did not get that musicality right. But that mm -hmm. dancer is killing it. I can't stop watching them. You know, I, I think that we have to like have that team atmosphere a little bit more in class settings in particular because we can learn so much from one another. Great point. Yeah. And I think that you can do exactly what Rachel said, even in like, again, I keep thinking, funneling things through my being a studio yeah. teacher, but I do that in the studio very mm -hmm. often. Sometimes, you know, we're going across the floor, we're doing pirouettes and I'm like, okay, Susie Q got this double. Come on, Sally. Yeah, right. Come on. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And, and then it's not, you know, not comparing, like it is comparing, but it's not yeah. a bad kind of comparing. It's, it's totally fine to be competitive and compare in the positive mm -hmm. way. Okay, Sally, come on, girl. Susie Q's got it. We're together. It's right, a team. Yes. I need everyone to be able to do this. And then honestly, I think it's it's important to be able to type to have a type of environment where you're cultivating 
dancers to be able to help yes. each other. And so Susie Q can encourage right. Sally motivation. to be like, okay, yeah. exactly. And so Sally's like, okay, instead of being like feeling defeatist mm-hmm. about it, Sally's getting encouragement from Susie Q. And so when Sally nails it, Susie Q is going to go around, pat her on the back, give her a right. high five. I think we can kind of like cultivate those type of atmospheres intentionally so that the comparison and the competitiveness is used in a positive way as opposed to being devaluing and being defeatist and being not being able to manage the rejection that we experience so often. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's such an important point because I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've gone to different studios and, you know, different studios, different habits, also different atmospheres, also different levels of training, whatever it may be. But I've gone to studios where I maybe have highlighted a dancer and said, can you demonstrate this was beautifully done? Can you please demonstrate that for me? Because let's be real. I'm not going to demonstrate it. They're doing the side leap. Do the side leap. <laughs> Correct. You know, so Correct. you do the side leap beautifully. <laughs> let's all watch together. And I've literally watched dancers stand with their hands folded across their chest, just watching. Yeah. And upset that they didn't get called out to demonstrate the side leap. Yeah. And, in, and then I've been to other atmospheres where the dancers are like, yeah. amazing job yeah and you know really supportive encouraging camaraderie at the studio and i think that we need more of that especially when dancers are going to be doing competitions and cheering for everyone and not Mm -hmm. just their studio i think that's very important and the same thing for conventions when we're in a space with multiple dancers from different studios from different places we need to be supportive every time and Mm -hmm. and you know i feel like that that team aspect and the like rejection of I didn't get selected so I'm upset and bitter about it in the corner like we can't have that we have to push through that and that really starts at the studio so agreed yay yeah I think it's also important to like you know people want to work with nice people people want to be around nice people (laughs) and there is yes there's a way to be competitive and still be a nice person yeah (laughs) you know and kind of to your point Courtney about like people like you know, pounding in the corner, essentially. I'm. We've been in the same rooms where we are literally all auditioning for the same job. There's so much beyond yeah. our control anyways. So yes, we need that competitive mindset, but also keeping perspective. And every single person is different. Every single person has something else to offer that you might not have, but you have something else. And depending on the day, they want you or they want what that other person has. But that doesn't really matter in the moment in the room. And I think it's important to, I mean, we've literally been in rooms where we've been like, yes, girl, like you nailed that when we're in our small groups or you're like, girl, they looked at your headshot. You absolutely (laughs) crushed it. And it's important to hone those supportive skills Mm -hmm. and those supportive mindsets young, Mm -hmm. because otherwise you're going to be in the girl in the corner, waiting in the holding room that no one wants to talk to because yeah. you're very nice. Yeah, 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 you know? totally. But if you're the nice girl and you want, you know, and you just show up and you do literally yeah. you and you do the best that you do, then that is a win. Yeah, you already totally. won. Totally. Oh, I love it. And on that note. Y'all, such a great discussion and, and such an important one to be had. So I'm really glad we went there with this. And I, I hope listeners, you enjoyed it. And definitely make sure we're, we're, we're listening to this one with our dancers. I think dancers yes. really need to hear this one. I know a lot of dance parents listen and put the podcast on on the way to dance class or maybe pop this on on the way to competition next weekend or whenever mm-hmm. your next one is. But <laughs> this was a beautiful discussion and so necessary. So thank you, Tracy and Rachel, for joining us. And if you would both love to... Take us out with any final thoughts on this topic or any words of encouragement you'd like to send to all the dancers out there. Well, I'll just say that I think it's important to always value yourself, period. You never want to be in a place or allow yourself to fall in a place where you don't see what you have to offer. You can compare yourself to others. That's fine. Have the competitive mindset. It's healthy but you never want to take it to a place where it ends up stealing from your own personal self. That's the worst way to steal, I think. It's, it's bad to have somebody come steal your purse, but it's even worse if you steal it from yourself. I think that's, that's sadder. So I think it's important to always, always, always remember, go out of your way. What do I have to offer? Be self-affirming. Speak positively about yourself. Speak life over yourself and keep your mindset in that place intentionally forever because it's just going to keep you in a place of peace. I love that. I think besides that, I mean, I absolutely like did a, I mean, to all of that, but remembering that 
it doesn't have to be black and white in terms of winning or losing. I think that you need to change it to a gray because there's a little bit of winning and a little bit of losing in every single thing that we are going to do in our lives, dance and outside of dance. And so keeping that perspective that it's not always a win or a lose. I mean, even in a Super Bowl, <laughs> like, you know, you know, yes, maybe they won, but like, did they play their best game or did the other team maybe just have an off day? It doesn't, you know, you don't really know. And the only thing that you can do is control yourself and control how you are going to face your challenges and take on those obstacles and push your own boundaries. And then I found this quote that I really liked that I thought was appropriate and it just clicked with me. And so it is, success comes not from a single event, but of persistence born of grit and character. And I think that if you have grit and you put that into your hard work and your persistence, then you're going to win no matter what. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Be sure to follow our fabulous guests on Instagram. You can find Rachel at Fuel Move Sweat and Tracy at TRA Boom One. Have you followed Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast yet? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Podcasts. And while you're there, leave us a review. That helps us bring Making the Impact to more listeners. Work Dancewear is a new activewear brand that offers affordable, high-quality designs for dancers of all ages. From leggings to joggers to sweatsuit sets and even backpacks, I absolutely love their neutral color palette options, and I can't wait to continue to add even more of their styles to my dancewear collection. I guarantee you will love this brand as much as I do, and I would love for you to check out their entire line of activewear now. Head to WorkDanceWear.com and use our promo, WorkDance20. That's W-E-R-K, WorkDance20, at checkout to receive 20% off your entire order. WorkDanceWear, activewear for dreams in motion. Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast, is nearing the end of season two. Stay subscribed for our upcoming episodes with topics including our final spotlight episode, dance pathways, and the most common corrections judges give at competition. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode. See you next time. Keep dancing.